the 21st of November 2017 and this is episode 19 of the What's Up podcast recorded on Royal Observatory Edinburgh. My name is Mr. Martin Black. I'm Dr. William Taylor. I'm Mr. Ali Bruce. But maybe Dr. Soon. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, well, I, 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 the, if you listen to our last podcast, I was very stressed because I was finishing the thesis. The thesis is now submitted, Woo! so I'm happy to report that much yeah. alcohol was consumed. I have killed off many brain cells and I went on holiday for a week and I remember nothing. Um, <laughs> All those things mean that you're slightly closer to being doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, next time you hear about this saga will be, I have my Viva defense thing happening at the end of January. So I still need to be smart until then. Then I can have more alcohol at the end of January. So it's going to be a dry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like a thesis defense should involve more of you know, swords and spears and shields. Uh, well, it does. In, in America, in, you have to do it in front of the public, so you could oh. get stuff thrown at you. Yeah, I believe you. the the Dutch, you're, somebody's allowed to bring a sword in principle. I'm not sure it's done regularly. These but. days, you bring a flat earther with you. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay. we'll come back around to that. Okay. Okay. So news stories that have caught our eye. I've got three of them here. Uh, we've got cigars from other solar systems. We've got zombies, and we've got silly names for things. So where do we want to start? Cigars. Space cigars? Yes. Okay. I love it when an interstellar plan comes together. <laughs> the, um, uh, the cigar story is really cool. It's actually a little bit dated, so apologies all. We've been, we've been busy. It's like September it first appeared, but there have been recent updates which exactly. make it even sexier. Yeah, it's still relevant. Uh, so this is now confirmed as being officially the first ever interstellar thing visiting us from another solar system and it's really really interesting it's not aliens i'm really sorry uh, for people that want it to be aliens but it's no um well, but i'm still, still could be I'm, oh, we're still going to talk about yeah. the possibility okay, oh, good, yeah. sure. um but there's no this is a, a rock from another solar system so um we know of uh, hundreds of thousands confirmed uh, rocky things asteroids and the smaller you get the more stuff there is in our own solar system this stuff all over the place um other solar systems have similar amounts of this stuff as well but every so often something smacks into something and it will get ejected at high speed and then wing its way through interstellar space and then just by a cosmic fluke it's going to eventually pay a visit to another solar system so around about september time telescopes that are meant to be looking for objects that could potentially hit us uh, which is definitely worth searching for found something that was moving very fast uh, they ran the numbers on the orbit and it turned out it was moving so fast it couldn't possibly have come from our own solar system. Uh, and that's when things started to get interesting. There have now been follow-up observations of this thing uh, and they've now confirmed it. It's actually, it is not from our solar system. It's an asteroid that's come visiting. It's about 200 metres long. Uh, the cigar reference is because it's, it's actually a lot longer than it is narrow. So it's like a ratio of five to one or something. Ten, ten so. to one. Yeah, so the cigar Crazy, thing is, yeah. is appropriate. It's weirdly long, and mm. it's potentially two things stuck together, but it's rotating quite fast as well. It's very hard to do any more science with it. I think Hubble's pointing at it as of today, which is yeah. quite interesting. Um, but it, at the moment, it's all signs are pointing towards it being a, a wandering asteroid, which is just cool. Gar, can you speak slightly louder and more into the microphone? You're Certainly. I'm actually quite close it. compared to usual. So. Well, I can try you up a bit more. That's another option. Uh, no, that's all right. I'll, just, I'll, I'll get further in. Thank you. Um, so one of the things I was intrigued by was that the recent announcement has been the fact that it's the cigar shaped because it's much longer than it is thin. Um, but it, as looking at the paper, it, it, it kind of... It's looking. They've got this basically from looking at the changes in brightness as it goes along, mm -hmm. um, and and it's got quite a big change in brightness, um, which suggests a sort of really non-asymmetric, you know, not a ball 
ball wouldn't yeah. change in brightness as it rotates. But it's not it's not like conclusive evidence that it's it's a long thing. I mean, how do they know, know it's not just like shiny on one side and not on the other? I don't, I don't quite know I think, how you... I mean, uh, asteroid rotation curves or measuring asteroid rotation curves is quite a commonly done, very old technique. I mean, it's done as university labs for third years at Glasgow, for example. Um, and I think there's been a lot of evidence to tie up these curves to known asteroid shapes in our own solar system. Though I think the mathematics is pretty... I mean, oh, yes, you okay. could have outliers. But I think the actual technique here is pretty developed. But doesn't that rely on some basic assumptions about the thing you're looking at? I mean, yeah, but I that's mean, astronomy. You've got to... There's, there's assumptions <laughs> yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I just feel we're inferring well, quite a lot from what must be somewhere partially based. So, um, I mean, you know, a reasonable assumption might be that it should have a roughly uniform coating because it would be a bit weird if it didn't. Um, because over time, the surface of asteroids tends to age a little bit. It gets darker with time. So, and, and this thing's albedo doesn't seem to be... The, that's just a measure of how reflective it is. So very reflective at all. Snow is very reflective. Tarmac is not. This is even less. The, the moon is the colour of tarmac. So, yeah. you know, albedo is deceptive. But this is like 4% reflected light. So it's, it's sort of ticking all the boxes for being an asteroid. Definitely not a comet. That's one of the few things they can say for sure is there's just not enough water ice anywhere near the surface or we would be seeing um, extra features in the spectra, which we're not. So, um, Have we even got spectra? Uh, yes, the William Herschel Telescope took one oh, and there's okay. one from somewhere else as well. Uh, more importantly, uh, the, uh, because it was discovered by the Hawaiian Telescope Panstars, they've, they've named it after the Hawaiian word for scout. And I'm going to try and pronounce it Oumuamua, I think. So Oumuamua is the first, you know, sneeze, cosmic sneeze from another solar system. And, and that, that's why it's an interesting story. It's, it's not a probe, but it's, you know. It does look very probe-shaped, though, for the record. As soon as I saw the artist's impression. The artist's I'm, I'm questioning the shape. It's really like the thing in Star Trek Four. That was the one I went to. You know, the thing that makes all those stupid noises and talks to whales. Um, but and to be fair, if you were going to design a probe to visit us, it didn't get that close to the Earth. So mm. it maybe was not that interested in maybe it. It wasn't aiming for us. It was just... It got quite close. So 0.2 astronomical units. So that's a, a fifth of the distance between mm. us and the sun. I mean, presumably so this it, thing has been merrily drifting through the, the galaxy and at some point has felt the pull from a large distance away, the pull of our sun. More yeah, than one, anything else. I think one of the numbers on the wiki page, which is surprisingly accurate, given that it's also fresh, is 45 million years they think it's been travelling for. And it came from a star system that's nowhere close to where its origin is on the sky. I that number. Um, because I think they just ran the orbit back and they know the peculiar motions of a lot of the stars in our neighbourhood so they can sort of make a rough guess. But I don't think anyone's going to know for sure easily. That doesn't even mean it came from there in the sense of it. It could have come. It could have been flung out of that system. As someone in forty-five million years' time in another system is going to say, "Oh, it came from the sun." Well, they, they, um, they've said it had a close pass, uh, so there was another star mm-hmm. it got within a half a light year of or something, but it wasn't close enough to be definitely from that. But it's all about speeds. I mean, for people wondering how the heck we know this is definitely from somewhere else, given how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of chunky bits of rock there are out there. Um, the speed was just too crazy. So even if you start very far away from the sun and do nothing but fall towards it under gravity. You're only going to be moving so fast when you get in close. And this thing was moving like a bat out of hell. So even if you removed the effect of the technical sun on this object, technical. yes, yeah. bat out of actual hell. Yeah. Uh, it was doing something like 26 kilometers per second before it even felt the influence of the sun and then fell towards it and then got all the way up to something like 90 kilometers per second. So there are the differences in, in Star Trek Four. Their probe slowed down. Uh, this thing sped up oh. until it got to its sort of the... the the, the perry centre of its orbit and then it, it shot back out again or the, the, 
the is it Perry Center? Is that the right word? I always get confused. It sounded good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sound yeah. Perry Center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the the pointy bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it turned a sharp it, corner and it's now shooting back off into yeah. space. It also came from massively out of the plane of the solar system. Yes. Well, it, which is yes. quite cool. And, and most things are all sort of in a big disc. Yes. And this thing kind of came from above the disc. Yeah. Which is so well, I think everybody's weird. happy. And so even the International Astronomical Union even gave it a, a new official letter. And so you now see objects with an I meaning interstellar, which oh, is, that's, that's why good. it's sexy. And yeah. so I think, is it Comet Halley was the first officially designated? Co- I can't remember. There is a, a periodic comet with the number one beside it. And I wish I knew what that was because I found that out a couple hours ago and I've now forgotten it. But <laughs> so so this is the first of this category. Oh, but you need to remember how to spell Oumuamua. Oh, God. <laughs> We were listening to a talk on site today about uh, the LSST, which is going to be a telescope to survey the whole sky. I missed that. I'm slightly It's a very good talk. Large um, Synoptic Survey Telescope. Large Synoptic Survey Telescope, yes. which will scan the entire sky in extremely uh, great depth every three days. Um, it's a beast of a telescope. It's, it's be, hard it, to it's overstate. It's going to be yeah. extraordinary. Um, but one of the things it will do is pick up anything that happens to be whizzing nearby. Um, and if there, it mean, probably means... In the same way that often is the case in astronomy, we go, oh, look, we've never ever seen one of these things before. And I bet in a few years' time, we'll be like, yep, got like 20 of them. You know, yeah. they'll, it'll just become more normal to yeah. find interstellar objects. So it's a good one for the diary just because it was the first. Yeah. Um, and yeah. somebody's even run the numbers on how soon we could get a rocket to send a probe to catch up to it. And uh, the answer is probably not. But um, it, you could potentially do it if you had Falcon the big... Um, Falcon Heavy. No, the one, the next one, the sort of one that's on the drawing board that's right. going to be even heavier. This thing has, because it's moving so fast, you need a mahusive rocket and yeah. you need to be clever with and gravity. You need to be ready to go. You need to do a slingshot past Jupiter and a slingshot past our own sun, but closer than this thing got so you can get up yeah. even faster when you fire your rocket. And it could take upwards of 30 years. And because the thing's only a couple of hundred meters across, it, you'll be darned lucky if you can even point at the thing accurately, given that you can't. Uh, see it it'll be so far away you need plutonium to power your probes because there's not enough solar energy to run your instruments but they were saying we should maybe design a a go-to fast probe and leave it on hot standby so that when we do see one of these things we can get in quicker yeah and catch up to it as quick as we can because i mean this, i mean the, the return would be great seeing something that's not local is definitely of value for for especially solar system astronomers but I also saw the idea that if you knew it, the thing was coming in well enough advance, you could get in front of it and sort of grab onto it and ride it. And thus you could get a probe to go way out into the rest of the universe for free by just riding along on this thing. Oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, no, I know there's a lot of problems in that plan, but in terms of, you know, slightly crazy ideas go, it's not a bad one. No. I've changed my mind. We should call that the slim pickings maneuver. You have to basically jump a speeding bullet. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, in a really simplistic way, there's something very reassuring about it because we fight this from another another solar system or another system, and it and it kind of looks okay. It's in a weird shape, but it generally seems to match most of what we'd expect. Yeah. And and that's kind of good because ultimately in astronomy we look at other stars and we kind of go right. We're assuming the physics over there is like our physics, and. Okay, it's probably a fairly good assumption, mm-hmm. um, but it's still an assumption. And then you get a chunk of something from somewhere else, and you go, "Okay, it looks like our chunks." That's yeah, good news. And it, like, like, in kind terms of, of like the organic-y stuff, because mm-hmm. um, you do yeah. get you know, the precursor molecules that are quite Ooh, interesting yeah. for people who care about how life got started on the Earth. And that would be very interesting if the the ratios were slightly different, or there was just something mm-hmm. else going on. Mm-hmm. But then the odds are this has been involved in a very heavy collision too. Something to, to give it weird the kick, has happened yeah. to get also, out, make so. that shape. Yeah. That shape yeah, is that, odd. That, it's, well, and well, it's, it's weird, but it's not that weird. 
in the sense that it's a tube or it's a cylinder, um, not ball. It's not like it's a Mobius strip or some sort of double helix twisted thing. That'd be amazing. It, you know, it's that it's would be an, proof of aliens. That's we're yeah. into we're into Star Trek territory we now. It, it's an elongated ball. But then I think the thing I read today said it's at the upper end of the crazy long things. So there's a few things that we know of. We, okay. we used to generalize. We say balls and discs. That's your two shapes in all of astronomy. And we had to add rubber ducks in once they saw Comet Rosetta's um, 67Ps rubber ducky shape. And now we've got cigars in there too. But It's a complex universe. Balls, discs, ducks Four and shapes. cigars. Yeah, we're going to have to probably a few new ones to add in the next 10 years. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. So yeah, it's weird, but it's interesting. So definitely um, something to add. It deserved its hype. Yes, it did. Something maybe didn't deserve quite as much hype as it got then. That was the link I was trying to set you up for. Got it. It's good. <laughs> zombies. Let's zombie, talk about zombies. Zombie stars. In oh, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah not, not zombies. Zombie stars. Oh, um, slightly sad now. <laughs> you can leave. Um, <laughs> this was a new story recently, which, as I say, popped up quite high on the, you know, top red stories on multiple websites um, about a zombie star, which, which is an exciting result. I think it's an interesting thing, but quite zombies. Um, a star which appeared to go supernova, so it suddenly got ridiculously bright, as we see many stars do um, when they are in their death rows and they go pop, basically. Um, the star gets much brighter, and then over the period of a few hundred days, it will just kind of fade away to nothingness and we can't see it anymore, which is all, you know, fine kind of standard accepted theory. Um, this thing seemed to get much brighter and then got a bit fainter and then got brighter again and then got fainter and then brighter. And over the last 600 days, it's sort of had five peaks in brightness um, of supernova level bright. So, so significant outburst of material. Um, so the energy not, budget's crazy. <laughs> crazy amounts of energy. So this is a huge star, maybe 100 plus times the mass of the sun. So there are stars out there that do change the brightness. There yes, are variable there are. stars and yep. they can be quite dramatic changes. Uh, not not on this scale. Right, so, um, this so this is way beyond anything else. This sort of scale we would generally expect to mean, okay, that's it. You've used up all your energy, you've gone pop. Pop's not the best expression. Um, but you've used I am okay with it. Yeah. You've used up all your energy and, and that's it. You know, mm. There's nothing left to, to, to generate that kind of uh, sort of magnitude of event, and yet this thing seems to keep going. Um, it is fading now, so people think it probably has, it has had its final peak properly. Um, but um, intriguingly, they also dug back to the archives, and in 1954, in a similar patch of sky, um, there was an object which got considerably, you know, not quite as bright as this is, but still pretty bright over the course of uh, a few days, um, and was noted. And people kind of went, oh, maybe that was a supernova, and, and thought then that that was a star at that point in the sky ending. Okay, it's not perfect because the measurement precision isn't that precise from the 1950s, and trying to match back sort of that timescale is a bit yeah. tricky. Um, but it looks like it maybe this star has done this before and gone, Whoop, and then 50 years later gone, right, I'm done now, <laughs> um, and had a, a last. Burst. It's really interesting because um, the, this sort of time domain astronomy stuff, that's what I do, but I, I'm an AGN specialist, so the things I care about are transient events that um, happen to coincide with the middle of these very distant galaxies. But in every bit of time domain astronomy, there's a class of transient events that nobody could explain in, in all of the sections. So the supernova guys have things like this, which they can't explain. They're lasting for too long. They're more luminous than they should be. So they sometimes get called super luminous. 
the AGN lot, the things that I'm studying, they're doing things that don't make sense either. And we're trying to figure out exactly what's going on, but it, it's great. And I, I don't think all three of them are necessarily connected in any way. No. But there's a lot of extra things out there that could be going on, but there's about four or five different explanations for some of these things. So at least in AGN, there's a, there's definitely a few. I don't know how many they have for the, the supernova. Not I know. Well, this one's actually, this is actually the first of its kind of this type of, of, of variation in brightness. Also, I know you can get plateaus. So you yes. can get one that lasts for a lot longer than it should because there's like a magnetar that's sort of powering things a little bit that gets left behind. So Isn't that just, a transformer? Um, it might be, but in this case, probably not. Less moving parts than the yeah. silly ones in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, the other thing that's odd about this one is that um, in those sort of events, which we've seen before where you get the plateauing stuff, there's generally not as much hydrogen in the star. So hydrogen um, is the lightest element which fuels most stars. But often at the end stage of stars like this, that hydrogen's already been thrown out of the system or, or lost in winds or some other mechanism. Um, this thing seems to have still chunks of hydrogen um, in, in the atmosphere, which makes it really weird and hard to explain. And also the velocity structures within the material, it seems to hint maybe at, at some shell-like structures around the star, which we have seen kind of maybe other nearby stars. There's a, a famous star. Like, like layers. Yeah, that maybe it's kind of, burped at some point thrown off a chunk of material and that's partially what we're seeing so we're seeing mm. some absorption through that um but it's a bit like maybe um beta carina star which is a very famous star which uh, sort of in the 1850s like that kind of got ridiculously bright and did the same sort of thing where we kind of went oh is it dying and then it's still there and now with hubble we've been able to zoom in and we've seen like amazingly strange lobes of material where like, yeah there's a fun one some of the atmosphere is thrown off and we think maybe it's something like that Maybe, 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 maybe this is a much more common thing than we thought. Um, that these stars kind of don't quite just go boom. I mean, supernovas aren't brilliantly understood. I mean, it's still a heck of a complex mechanism. Yeah, it's a bit annoying in astronomy that some of these things are happening so often that we get used to them. But every so often you get a rare one. But yeah, rare which ruins in, the models. But what rare in this context isn't that rare because you know if you see one event in a human lifetime on an astronomical timescale, they could be happening all the bloody time. So you, yeah, it's um that's the hard thing is you want to see the second one and the third and then get a feel yeah. for just how often this actual weird stuff is going on but incidentally that eta carina the that nebula i think that's roughly where they think the progenitor um umawa uh, the, yeah came from carina no uh, so yeah they think they, so i think it arrived from the direction of lyra but was actually from stars in that rough neighborhood i'm saying oh, rough they've moved okay yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah everything's yeah, swimming about yeah. a little bit cool stuff yeah, and it's not first, very zombie-like though. I it's mean, not zombie-like no. at all. I'm it's failing to see it, the brain's connection. The fact that it came back from was, the dead, but then the Phoenix I, but star, wasn't, but it wasn't dead. Phoenix would be better than zombie. Yeah. but I bet Phoenix would not have got as many clicks. As I'm, I'm already sitting here writing my next Nosferatu AGN press release. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's the press release though, because the paper, of course, does not mention zombies. Yeah. It doesn't say anything spectacular in the, the title. And I'm slightly sad of it. You, know, you know, somewhere a press person's gone. Oh, so uh, it's a bit like a zombie. Maybe, and then they let them put it, and but yeah. then it got lots of lots of press, and we're talking about it now. So there we go. Yeah, yeah, it was successful. No, no complete, and it is it is a cool result. It's yeah, just like I'm it. not quite sure. It, I don't think it's, it's, I mean, even somebody I study massive stars. I do this. I, I'm really interested in these kind of things. I'm not sure it's quite as exciting as maybe a interspace interstellar interloper, um, but it got more clicks. I think in the day. Cool. And just to be clear, how you said you're an expert in this, so how do you kill expert. a zombie star? Is it like a headshot thing or 
Sorry, you're giving me a really dirty look now. I'll stop asking. I just don't I'm trying to think of something witty. Uh, silver asteroid bullet. Yeah, maybe a long cigar <laughs> that's, shaped. That's werewolf stars, clearly. Oh, oh a, a, a cigar I'm shaped. Uh, Getting my mythology's messed up here. It's like an okay. alien versus predator thing. This is starting to turn very silly, uh, <laughs> which is an interesting link into our next story. Well done. Uh, which is about silly names. So what's the, what's, what's, what's what's the origin of silly names? Um, so okay, I'll put it differently: the likelihood of silly names. <laughs> We'd like to say this, Ali. You begin. Um, we're talking about silly names because just on the off chance that you have tuned in and it is still prior to the 1st of December 2017, you have a chance to tell NASA what name you want to name New Horizons' next target. Could have said that a little bit better. So New Horizons was the Pluto probe? Yes. Um, so it's been in space for a long time now, left in 2006, hit Pluto a couple of years back. Past Pluto. Um, yeah, well, it's way past Pluto. No, well, no. It didn't hit Pluto. It flew by and took uh, photographs of Pluto. <laughs> Quite uh, high speed. The pictures of Pluto are amazing. If you haven't seen them, you can go and see. What have you been doing if you haven't seen Tenuous them? cloud layers and lots of structure on the surface. We saw way more going on at Pluto than we ever thought we would see. Uh, but it's still going and it still has power and it still has propellant. So they're moving it towards a Kuiper Belt object. So uh, the Kuiper Belt is just the sort of collection of um, leftovers that are similar to the asteroid belt, but just further out and more icy. Uh, and this particular object has a horrible string of about seven numbers. It's just a designation, but it just happened to be in the right um, firing line for what New Horizons could get to easily because uh, it's very hard to change its course. It's moving too fast. So they're going to skim it by this thing. And the nickname for it currently is Mu69, I believe. Mm. And that's the shortened version of its long name. Um, but NASA are asking for help to get a better one. Some of the suggestions are awful. <laughs> there is no asteroidemic asteroid face. Which I was slightly sad to see. Yeah, I would assume planet, planet face. They, well, no, no, it's not planet. I think that they've been careful to word it in such a way that they vet them. <laughs> so I think all the stupid ones are getting thrown out. But no. there's, there's lots of ones related to Thor, the name of his hammers. And Mid- Mjolnir. Mid- Mid- Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. I've been calling it Majolinar. <laughs> Master um, comic book nerd. Yeah, okay, so the, the hammer's in there. The great Atuan, the turtle from Terry Pratchett, is in there as a suggestion. And if you like any of the suggestions, you're supposed to vote for them before the 1st of December as well. So you can suggest your own, or you can vote for the ones that are good. So you can stop that for hammer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Because that's ridiculous. This isn't the final <laughs> name, though, is it? This is a, a holding name until they've taken the pictures of it. And no, then, but then they might adjust the name based on what they see. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that they're, they're not quite sure if it's a single object yet because Can't it's so far away, it's very hard to see. It may be a close binary, but they think it's about 20 kilometers across. But there's enough evidence to suggest that, again, it's slightly elongated, which might be indicative of you've got two chunky bits that have stuck together. And they might not even be stuck together. They could be in a very close orbit. So you may need a name that can be applied to more than one thing. So um, that's your Kelpie Kelpies. Kelpie Kelpies. Or, you know, I still think Father Ted. It's because you have Ted, Dougal and Jack. If there was a third one, you never know. Um, I don't really know what the connection is to cold and remote. But um, I'm just... Craggy Island. I sometimes feel that official names are a bit too officious. You know, that kind of, you know, we must use Greek and Latin. And I, I get it. I do get it because they're good. I mean, it's all, but it's all ghosts and monsters and stories and mythology anyway. So I'm kind of going to get a few um, but, urban legends in there. You know, in, 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 in 10 years time, you're giving a public talk about you know, the great, the great uh, object in the solar system of Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, Father Ted. It loses the power somehow. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> If it gives you an excuse to do the small, far away bit on the moon and the sun, then, you know, then I think it should still be useful. 
Uh, yeah, so the IAU would probably get the final say on which There'll be name. A vote. Yeah, yeah, and I think regardless of what NASA call it, you yeah it might not be called that for much longer. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to hit for at least another year. So it's, it's New Year's Day 2019, is that right? Yeah, yeah it's a awesome. nice date to remember. Mm. So glad I remembered We're that. First of January 2019, and it's actually currently. I think they haven't got exact orbit, but it's looking like it will go closer to the surface of this thing than it went to the surface of Pluto. Are they willing um, to take risks with that as well? Well, that, I think that's a slight question. Well, it's done its main mission. Its main mission is New Horizons. So it's a huge, like, it's an incredibly exciting thing, though. I mean, think, as you say, about looking at Pluto, how shocking it was, well, not shocking, but surprising it was mm. that it came back with everyone just expected to be kind of a bit like Mercury pitted ball of stuff with some, some or very lots cold, of, not lots of craters much. on Maybe it. Maybe like one of Jupiter's moon. Yeah, not yeah. that exciting. And, and it came back as something which clearly been, been much more active in the recent past. Yeah. What are they going to see here? This is a, you know, a new territory. New Horizons. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, found it. Uh, I, I'm very excited. Yeah. So yeah, we won't get to talk about this much more, but I bet they switch it on to do a course correction thing at some point just mm. to make sure they they aren't going to hit everything. And we'll find out soon, hopefully, if it's a binary after all. But Yeah, I saw something saying it was, it's currently on at the moment. It's, after a long period of hibernation, it's turned it on for a bit. They were doing just a few tests. Actually, they were doing some measurements of kind of interplanetary space, you know, just 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 sample its surroundings, genuinely out of interest. If we wrote um, to NASA, do you think they would be happy to do a pale blue dot picture for us? Because the we're almost at the like the fortieth anniversary or something of Carl Sagan's one, mm-hmm. um, so it would be a nice time for it to turn around and take a self portrait of the solar system. So has it even got? Would it even see a dot? I don't want to be point. the guy that makes it turn around and breaks it just because they're trying to take <laughs> this, a, this a must selfie. Be, this must <laughs> be further away than than Voyager was when it took it. Didn't it? Uh, Voyager was sort of beyond Neptune, I think. Yeah, it had done yeah. all its science, yeah. so they had yeah. nothing left to lose. Whereas yeah. this thing's still got something. Well, maybe this one will do it once it's done its mm. flyby of. Well, it might be nice to update the image, you know, because yeah. I think the reason the pale blue dot one is still. It was the most distant image ever taken mm. of the Earth by one of our own bits of kit. So this one would then supersede that. And it might be more than one pixel instead of just one blue pixel, maybe two. Mm, don't know about that. You're pretty far away and Earth's pretty small. Then it will not be two pixels. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> That's not like I do. Yeah, he's but... done the math. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have not. <laughs> yeah, so it goes back to hibernation soon and then they wake up again. Okay, maybe yeah, NASA are already on this. They're, they're good at yeah. stuff like this. I think my thought of it. Still, you know. Yeah. Uh, are we going to submit the name of the WhatsApp podcast object? We should. Very gonna... good idea. Yeah. Please vote. All, all of you, all of our listeners, go vote. That will How about the, the good, the bad, and the ugly? And I'll leave it to you guys to work out who's who. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably a good point to finish the podcast with that, with that key bit of knowledge to try and think about. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for downloading. And uh, do feel free to leave us an review on iTunes. Or a comment. suggestion for a name. <laughs> or suggestions for the name. Uh, do leave comments on the blog post or email us your questions and we'll answer them if we get time. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks all. Bye.